It's another lovely time on the Value Nigeria podcast. It's been a pleasure bringing this um, series to everyone listening over the past um, over, over the past year and a half thereabouts. Um, it's been a huge educational process, even for me, and I believe for everybody listening. Um, how has your week been? It's the Value Nigeria podcast one more time. And in our tradition of bringing in knowledgeable guests who know their onions and can share nuggets even with the retail investors on how to improve their investing practice, uh, this week is no different. And we have somebody who I've had a good connection with in the past few weeks that we've had a chat. Um, she's made the job very easy for me in trying to convince her to come onto the podcast. Um, my guest is the deputy team lead of the research unit at Meristem Nigeria. Um, in, in the past few, four or five episodes, I've had quite a few guests from Meristem, so it obviously means they are doing a lot of good things and they have lots of good talent there. So this is me um, <laughs> putting out an unpaid advertisement for Meristem unit, but it, it's a pleasure to have my okay. guest. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have my guest on the show this evening. My guest is Priest Ihansekin, and um, Priest, you just want to say hello to the listeners of the podcast. Yeah, hello everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Ajibola. I mean, you flatter a lot. You really do flatter a lot, but we'll take it. We'll take the compliments. To be honest, <laughs> Priest, nothing I've said is flattery. Um, okay, let, let me let listeners on this little secret. Like, after every show, <laughs> after every show, I get to ask the guests behind the scene, like, um, who do you want me to bring on the podcast? Who do you think will be a nice fit? And you don't want to know the number of people who have mentioned your name, please. So it's mm. I'm, I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm really glad that we've been I'll, able to bring this to fruition. I'll keep, I mean, I'll keep it that you flatter, but we'll take the compliment too. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so please, do you just want to share with us a few tidbits about yourself? Maybe a few things about your personal background, professional background and educational background. Well, thank you so much. Well, as um, I was introduced, I'm currently the deputy team lead for the research unit at Meristem Securities Limited. That's all story. What do we do? I just, you know, day, on a daily, daily basis, it's all about writing reports, you know, to guide investors to make, you know, decisions on their on their investments, basically. Um, I studied accounting at the University of Benin. Um, I'm a chartered accountant for both the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Nigeria, ICANN, and ACCA. Um, what else about my educational background? I think that about covers it. Okay, yeah, I'm a CFA, um, CFA, oh, CFA candidate also. And on the personal background, I think one thing I like to say every time I, you know, I get invited to speak about myself is the fact that I like to say something interesting, something I think is interesting about me, which is the fact that I watch everything on two times speed. So I don't know how to watch um, videos or normal. <laughs> So it's very abnormal to everyone, and I end up infecting people around me. So you just might try it, listeners. Just try it. <laughs> Next time you're on Netflix, try 1.5. Trust me, you enjoy it and you get used to it. There's no time to waste time, as the popular mantra says. I'm telling you. To, to be honest, I'm I actually... You, that's it. That's the I, I follow a lot of podcasts, and to be honest, um, watch, listening to them at one time speed could be quite a drag. So a lot of times I listen to them mm-hmm. at 1.5 or 2 times speed. But listeners mm-hmm. to the podcast, mm-hmm. listeners to Value Nigeria, listen at one time speed because there's a lot of um, nuggets <laughs> that have been shared. Okay, okay, that's nice. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Priest, um, how did you come about a decision to 
work in finance or what was what was your journey like how did you evolve from mm. you know from maybe secondary school into deciding that a mm. career in finance was for you mm. it's, i mean i think it was my journey was quite interesting right from when i was in secondary school i always liked business studies so somewhere at the back of my head i always knew i was going to be a commercial student but of course i was accounting in university so my mind was okay i'm going to do something accounting and i started my icon when i was in school also and so the entire plan was okay i'll do accounting and then when i finished i got into a bank i worked in a bank well as um, treasury operation staff but I really wasn't enjoying it it was as much as the job was fun but I knew that I wanted to do something different so I started exposed to I started having friends basically in the in the core finance industry I had I started having friends that were investment bankers um research analysts portfolio managers and I'm like okay I hear I like these people talk but I cannot really contribute to what they're saying. I really cannot. Sometimes when we're having conversations, my knowledge is on the base level. So I'm like, no, I have to improve my knowledge and everything. And that's how I started to do my research on how can I move into core finance and research and then investment banking and the works. And I mean, I stumbled into Mary STEM. There's a training um, program uh, for Mary, Mary STEM um, Starlet program, which I applied for. And then I got into the program and, you know, it's been helpful from there. Thank you very much for sharing that very personal um, account of your growth. And it's a pleasure to, I would say, have a front row seat. Maybe not directly, but at least to see you evolve. Uh, mm. Thank you very, very thank much. You. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, in your day job, as you have said, with Mary Stem, you cover the flour millers. That's the flour mills um, industry. Not just the flour mills of Nigeria, but the entire flour millers on the, listed on the stock exchange. And I'm hoping that our conversation yeah. will be about the flour millers and yeah. then hopefully understand that industry better. Um, can you just yeah. give us a brief overview of the industries, the players in that industry and the strategic role that flour plays in the diet of every Nigerian? So it's quite interesting that, you know, the conversation on flour is coming up now because I think there's been a lot of focus and a lot of attention on wheat um, in the most recent time. And wheat is the one of the base, the, the you know, most important raw materials for flour millers, you know, worldwide. Uh, the flour milling industry, basically, we know is, a cons- is in consumer goods space. Um, it's one of the defensive um, industries that we know that, you know, defensive industries basically are industries that um, come rain, come shine, come economic um, slow down or you know whatever it is the defensive industries will still shine so the flour millers play um in that space also and then you know for the flour millers of um, nigeria we don't have so much representation on the nigerian stock exchange of course we just have the major player which is flour mills of nigeria we have only flour um and then the on unlisted players we have crown flour mills which has been acquired by dangote um sorry olam flour mills yeah we used to have dangote flour but dangote, dangote flour has also been acquired by olam flour mills and then that's crown flour right now um so you know this sector is really just very interesting i i, I like to talk about it i like to because we know the importance of flour in the daily lives of nigerians i, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast can say they haven't eaten any flour based food and at least the past one week is that either you've eaten bread you've eaten pasta you've eaten cookies you've eaten cake you've eaten i mean there's something i mean i made i made pancake this morning so there's something i mean made from flour there are lots, lots of people that like english breakfast um 
your toast, everything you eat is basically made from flour. So of course, you know that when uh, the price of the raw material, which is wheat, um, is has been the way it's been increasing, you know, in the recent time, you know that definitely some some in in a way that would definitely translate to your own expense as a listener also. So I think it's interesting that this conversation is coming now because, like I said, there's been a lot of focus on wheat with the Russia-Ukraine crisis, and even before the Russia-Ukraine crisis, there's been you know some attention on that space because wheat prices have been increasing before that um, crisis happened, and then the crisis happened that made it worse. So you know, just that's just like an overview on you know basic overview on um, flour millers um, industry. All right, perfect. Thank you very very much. Uh, this might be a good time to bring up this question now. Um, you've just talked about rising prices of wheat, how much it affects, you know, the consu- everything gets passed down to the consumer at the end of the day. Now, a couple of years ago, there was this drive for an alternative to wheat as the um, sole agent or as the major ingredient of flour. There's this drive to cassava. There's this drive to, you know, other things. A- any Are there any pointers that the industry might be moving away from wheat to developing more cassava-based flour products, or is this just still a, a pipe dream? Mm, I think that's actually very interesting because so I did well. We we had like a, a conversation about this on in our team in research, you know, trying to look into are there any opportunities that we think for companies that might be thinking about this. And while you know having to do primary research, while it sounds interesting on paper. Um, um, discussing with a couple of people and doing surveys, you realize that a lot of people don't want to substitute wheat for, sorry, cassava for wheat. The truth is the taste is different. So while, yes, the Nigerian government, in fact, in 2015, the Nigerian government tried to do a rebate scheme, a tax rebate scheme for whoever is um, adding some level of cassava to um, what they, their flour-based food. And I think there was a 15% tax rebate. And, um, and then, you know, there's so many other so many other schemes that have tried to come up to encourage the substitution of like other products into, you know, flour-based products. But then the fact that consumers have it, say, so, so uh, I mean, consumers have what they like, basically. Um, if you look at the percentage of those that, that consume solely wheat bread compared to normal um, um, flour made bread, the, the percentage is more towards the normal flour made bread than the solely wheat bread. You have people that, that consume the wheat bread made that mainly for maybe they have health issues or they're trying to eat a fit farm goal or something. So it's not so popular. While you know, we speak to all these companies and they'll tell you, yes, they have some products that are geared towards, you know, if you want to try out the cassava based food, there is, but the more popular one is definitely wheat-based um, flour. And then we know that companies are definitely going to go towards um, the popular option. So while, yes, it's been encouraging to have some of these substitutes, but it's not really popular among the consumers. So that, that's a bit of a drag. Perfect. And uh, at the end of the day, the consumer is king, just as you have alluded. Exactly. Exactly. Now, focusing on the flour millers that are listed on the floor of the Nigerian Stock Exchange, we have the Boa Foods, we have Northern Nigeria Flour Mills, we have Honeywell Flour Mills, and then Flour Mills of Nigeria PLC. Um, but if you look at it in, in reality, um, Northern Nigeria Flour Mills and even Honeywell are basically subsidiaries, kind of, 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 not, of flour mills of Nigeria PLC. So basically, we have two major flour millers listed on the industry. And if we just talk about them individually, that might be helpful. Um, Now, Mm. first first and foremost, flour mills. 
they are the they are the kings of that industry looking at uh, their their the, the market share they have looking at everything they are the obvious clear leader and um, do you mind just painting a picture of an overview of the flour mills of Nigeria specifically and um, what investors might benefit by looking deeper at that company Okay, so before I um, answer your question, I just want to make a, I'll go to Waffles. I'll talk more about Waffles later um, if there's time. But then just to make a statement that flour mills is actually the only major um, um, flour miller. The truth is Waffles right now, 63% of their revenue comes from sugar. So it's going to be very hard to, you know, compare them to flour mills. But then let me speak speak of flour mills. Maybe there'll be time to talk about boa foods later. So flour mills, basically, we know, like you like you've alluded to, the market leader in that space. Um, well, market leader now, because before, if we're going by milling capacity, Olam, which is unlisted, used to have a higher milling capacity than flour mills. But right now, with the acquisition of only Honeywell flour mills, um, flour mills' total capacity is definitely now more than um, Olan's milling capacity. And so making them the, un, I mean, undisputed market leader. Um, definitely, flour mills is one company that has, you know, strive. In fact, this year, I think they've been in existence for about 62 years. Um, celebrated 62 years a, a few days ago. So, yeah, um, Flamus is one company that has really strived by product innovation, um, capacity expansion. I mean, that's their major strategy. You're always seeing Flamus doing something new. That's like, there's always a new product. Over the course of the time I have, I have covered the company, I've always had cause to say, oh, this new product, that new product, that new product. We saw Antibis Pasta come up in 2020. We saw Amazing Day Cereal come up in 2021. And this year, they've launched a new brown sugar, I think, to kind of combat the impact of rising prices of sugar in the global economy. So Flammy is always doing something. There's Golden Penny, there's Goldsmith Pepper Soup uh, noodles that they just brought out. So, I mean, that company is company, company that strives on a very robust and expanded product portfolio. Um, basically, like you mentioned, Flammy has 100% acquisition of, of Northern Nigerian flour mills. Of course, there are other subsidiaries of flour mills. Um, you know, uh, the, the flour mills company, they have other subsidiaries also. The, the company's revenue basically comes from like four sources. They have the food the food um, segments, which, you know, where we have all these food items. We have the pasta, we have the noodles. And then there's the, there's the sugar segment where, like I mentioned, they have the new brown sugar that just came out um, recently. They've had like other sugar um, product. They have the normal sugar, which is, you know, golden penny, um, golden penny sugar. But then the new brown sugar product that just um, came out this year, they have the agroalide. They have the agroalide um, side of things. And then they also have the support business. Funny enough, the support business um, has bagging products. It has a transport company. So the group, Flour Mills Group as a whole is a very is a well expanded business. Like it has, you know, different um, subsidiaries and, and different businesses running under them. And we, what we've noticed over time is that they are always able to um, show up their um, profit base. If the, if the if one segment is not doing well, most of the time we see another segment covering up for that. For instance, for a long time we saw that the agri-light segment wasn't really bringing in much. In fact, the agri-light segment was making a loss and making you know, significantly low revenues. But we could see support from the food sugar and support segments and right now all the flour mill segments are all producing well they are all you know recording significant numbers of, of course the food segments contribute about 63 percent to their revenue so which is you know the main um main segments where we where, where makes us classify them under um you know flour millers so um just you know speaking of, um, on a broad overview of the company basically 
the company is also majorly focused. They they have been focused on business to business sales, but right now the company is also doing some things to kind of shift their focus to business to customer sales. Um, another thing Flower Mills is very known for is having extended distribution channels. They are always you know bringing up new distribution channels in different regions. You know just to be able to expand their reach and of course all these things I've mentioned just makes it very clear that they are, that's that's the reason why they're the market leader because when you're spending so much in innovation, they're spending. I mean. Um, they really recently just launched a new research lab that's, that that was launched this year. You know, so also of course we know that I'm, I'm in research, so I know that research is the is the lifeblood of everything. So being able to do more research and being able to you know innovate more products, we are expecting them to actually bring out more before the end of um, their financial year. So Flamius is actually in their 2023 financial year. This is they're in the okay they, in this October, so they're they're already in the in the third quarter of their 2023 financial year. So we are expecting that by the end of this financial year, there will even be more products because of the new, um, their investments in their in their products, innovation, their investments in distribution channels, their investments in business to sales. You know, just basically, a comp- I like to call Flower Mills a company that is very focused on investments and then we're seeing results for that in terms of revenue. Okay, thank you. Thank you very, very much for that very good picture of flower meals. It, it, it's it, like a gigantic octopus with um, eight arms, almost mm. in every every aspect of mm. the food industry. Now, my next question oh. is, do you think this large size, do you think this huge reach, is it an advantage or are there, disadvantage, are there downsides to this as well? I think I'll be a little bit of both. Um, like I mentioned, we see a situation where one um, business arm is not really doing well and they're able to, you know, get support from the others. Like I mentioned, the agro-allied situation that happened, I've, I think I've really flogged the advantages. But I think one of the disadvantages that we can, you know, get from this would be at some point you, you see an inability to really build competence in some segments when they just start it. You know, of course, nobody gets things right from the get school, but then this is one disadvantage I actually see. And then another disadvantage that I think Flam has been running so many businesses, of course, they have to have huge financing. The, the financing implication is, is a lot. And then one thing that really, apart from the fact that Flam has a significantly high production, production cost, their financing cost is also high. You know, there was a time when they were actually having some um, farmers always in the market. They're always doing the bonds. They're doing the commercial paper. They're always trying to do something. In fact, um, the company just re- announced recently that they're about to raise, they're looking to raise 200 billion, like 200 billion naira. So we know that farmers is always having to raise money to fund these different businesses. And of course, it's going to eat into um, their finance costs. And another thing, look, I mentioned production costs. I think that um, being involved in so many businesses, these different businesses have different uh, levels of production costs. For instance, um, like I said, wheat prices have been increasing significantly recently. The sugar sugar prices have also been increasing. In fact, they were spiraling, um, you know, from last year. So we've seen issues on wheat. We're seeing issues on sugar. There was a time uh, Agrolite was also having issues. There was a time that well, now the support segment is doing well, but the time they were having issues on that. So having all these different production costs that are affected different things would affect the company's entire production cost at the end of the day. Right now, flour mills. Um, cost to sales is about 90%. So they spend 90% of what they make as revenue on production. So that is also a bit of a disadvantage for the company having such um, a wide range of products. Mm. 
Thank you very, very much. You've just hit on the the next line of questions that I, I plan to ask. And if we look at their last audited results, and that was for the full year 2022, which was released, which ended in March of this year, um, they had a revenue of 1.1 trillion, which is excellent for a Nigerian company. I, I, I can just 1.1 trillion. That's a lot of money. But if you look at how that's much actually, lot, yeah. yeah, if you look how much actually trickled downwards, um, total assets were about 670 billion, shareholders' equity of um, about 200 billion. But if you look at the profits, profits were just a paltry 28 billion coming from a, a revenue of 1.1 trillion. Uh, return on assets was about 4%, return on equity 14%, net profit margin of 2.5%. That is, I, 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 it's difficult for me to wrap my head around these numbers. Um, what mm-hmm. exactly, what, what, is it that flour milling is a low uh, margins business or what exactly is going on? So, that, I mean, that's the, you, you hit the first point, the fact that um, in Nigeria, so the, the, so maybe maybe it's not um, flour mill is old. It's not a it's not a low margin business, but unfortunately in Nigeria we cannot grow the wheat we need for production of some types of flour. So we have to import the wheat. The wheat we need has a certain type of protein content. Is that a type of gluten content that the wheat we grow in Nigeria very very little my my minute wheat we grow in Nigeria cannot meet that need. Now to be able to produce the kind of wheat we need in Nigeria. Um, you have to create the conditions for for the, you know that this is kind of farming where you create the kind of water, you create the kind of humidity, you create the kind of seedlings, you know. So and it's quite expensive for them to do that um, locally, even though yeah, there are lots of backward integration programs coming up now to be able to do that. But you know, having to import, we are we are accessible to whatever the price is on the scale. Then having our own FX issues here in Nigeria, trust me, these companies are not smiling when it comes to FX. While they are not exactly sourcing, they're not exactly sourcing for FX at the parallel market rate. That is our last communication with them. They went, they went, they, they gave an indication that they are not sourcing, but they're not also getting it at at purely black market rates also. You know, CBN does some interventions sometimes and they they, they, they get, get some of these FX at um, CBN intervention rate. However, it is not at 424. You you, you hear them say they get their FX higher, like 470, 480, you know. So definitely having to get, I am um, first of all, the price is rising the global thing. And then you're also facing that your country has FX issues. But having to combine your production costs. That's why I mentioned that, you know, as at the last month, production costs 9% of what they're making as revenue. There's nothing you want to do again that, you used to you used to protect margins at, at that point because you have to run operations. Whether you or not, you have operating costs that you're going to pay. They are, like I mentioned, Flam is always in the market, so there's financing costs that is there for them to also pay. In fact, um, at this of course they are in their third quarter. So the latest figures we have we have for Q1 2023, which was um April to April May June April to June 2020, 2022. We have th- those figures, and their net profit margin as at then was 0.191%. So it's even lower than what we had in in full year 2022. Do you understand? So um while yes it sounds all good when it comes from revenue because I mean they can make this money. You when when 
flour mills, when when these prices or whatever is increasing on the global scale, price of raw materials, price of transportation, the sports congestion in Nigeria, all those things are increasing. Definitely, flour mills will increase the cost of their products, so they can make the revenue. But having to sustain it is where you know they, they have a bit of an issue. And I would say that in for 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 Nigerian company, actually they were actually not doing so bad because when you compare with before, Honeywell became part of. Before Honeywell became part of flour mills, when you compare with Honeywell, it's practically the same thing, really. And then we don't really have financials for those that are not listed. Yeah. But if you look at if you look at um, the other companies also, I mean, most of them are actually doing something similar to that. So the people that are in the real core business of flour milling, they are faced with so many issues in Nigeria, importation, port congestion, having to deal with influx of substitute products. From, you know, so all these things definitely affect them. And these are challenges that they face. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. Um, now for the for the relatively savvy um retail investor who you know is um has hands on does quite a few valuations. Um, looking at a company like Four Flour Mills, it's a huge headache. Personally, I've tried f- valuing them at the time, but I just couldn't wrap my head around around how complex they were, and I just dumped it in the too hard pile. Uh, what's your advice? Yeah. How, how do you think? Practically, we can value a company like um, Flour Mills. Valuing a company like Flour Mills, I mean, there are different methods. Um, Flour Mills ha- pays dividend consistently. So anyone of the top of their head who wants to use a dividend discounting model, you want to use a free cash flow to firm, um, to free cash flow to firm, free cash flow to equity model. You want to use market value models. You want to use price to earnings ratio. And because some of these things are really... Um, figures that we can see. Um, Flour Mills hasn't made a lot in a long time, so we can use some of these market valuations. Um, however, I would advise any investor that is going into um, investing in some of these companies, especially these companies that are hugely invested in um, the capital um, expansion and all that, you might want to take a long-term approach uh, as opposed to being a short-term investor. I just want to come into the market for the short-term and go. Because, I mean, Anybody willing to buy into a company like that, at the back of at the back of your head, you have it at the back of your head that this company, as much as yes, they they are making so much revenue and everything, but the cost is a lot too. So you want to have it at the back of your head that I might not be able to market might not react as fast as you want the market to react um, to this to the to the share price. If um, interestingly, Flam has gone has gone from twenty something naira this year to forty something, almost forty five naira on the Nigerian stock exchange, and it has come down back to about twenty something or thirty naira right now. So it's actually a very volatile stock. So for any investor going into that, apart from your valuation, whatever your valuation is telling you to do, I would advise you take a long term approach basically to investing in Flam Perfect, perfect. Uh, and now looking at the new kid on the block or the new guy, and that's um, Bua Foods. Uh, you, you mentioned something at the start of the talk, which is that Bua Foods, about 60% of their revenues come from sugar. So it, it might not be like apples, like an apples to ap- apples comparison yeah. looking at um, Bua to mm-hmm. flour mills. But just looking at the numbers uh, for Bua, the audited results for 2021, we saw revenues of uh, 300 and 30 billion uh, profit after tax of about 69 billion which is very good assets of about 600 billion equity of 200 billion but looking at the figures um return on assets is a 12 percent which is very impressive return on equity 35 percent net profit margin of 20 percent uh, looking at these numbers it's quite impressive as compared to flour mills what are your thoughts basically about boa their numbers what are they doing right basically Hmm. I, I mean, I like the fact that it's like, what are they doing right? Because 
when compared to so why as I said it's not really apples to apples, but the funny thing is when you compare um um boa foods to dank sugar, whose main business is sugar, um you realize that while dank sugar is, has been having some issues lately, but dank sugar is actually at some point actually did better than um boa foods. Uh, I mean boa foods is a new company, well, new company to the Nigerian stock exchange, not really new to the production of sugar. Because, yeah, so because, I mean, they, they, when they came out, they came out early this year, they had, you know, five years financials that was set out to say, okay, this is what we've been doing for five years, if you want to value our company. And interestingly, the company's um, revenue has grown by an average of about 10% in the last five years. Um you know, bar foods really looking at looking at their numbers, their revenue and their um asset numbers. Yes, they are doing much better than the 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 flour millers of like like I mentioned. It's not exactly apples to apples, but then looking at it compared to dark sugar, which is you know more in the sugar line. Looking at it compared to dark sugar is that they actually you know they can you can we can we can compare them better. Dark sugar right now has a net margin of about twenty one percent. You know, which is more comparable to um um uh, bar foods. Uh, another thing that um Boa foods has been able to do really you know while yes we know that they've also been affected by the prices rising prices of sugar lately but Boa foods also has some backward integration strategies in place that can help them you know limit the impact of what whatever it is they want to import so um for a while now the main importation where we most of most of nigerian companies import sugar from is brazil and then you know brazil is one of the major exporters of of sugar and they've been having issues like seasonal production so that's one of the reasons why prices of sugar has been rising you know on the global scene before we even got to the russia and ukraine crisis so before the, you know this whole thing um kind of sprouted um these sugar producers you know inspired their interest in producing you know backward into we knew the interest in backward integration strategies and Brian Barfus has some of these backward integration strategies that you know would help them and is helping them and will continue to help them um you know in future so basically Barfus has a as bright prospect when it comes to their numbers when it comes to you know um, their their fundamental performance. The prospects for BAF is actually very bright. We're looking at a situation where um, they are going to still expand. So according to some of the communications we had with the company, I think when they listed, they have some level of flour, but then they're also looking to go into rice production at some point in 2024. So they haven't given any update on that yet, but I mean, the, the, the communication then was that by 2024, they'll be going to rice production. And we know how rice is here in this part of the world. You know, so rice is, I'm, I'm sure... A lot of people eat rice, rice. I mean, I've eaten rice at least once or twice this week. And I think I've, I've eaten rice like twice today already. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's something that, that there's, there's a market for it, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, there's a market for their products. There's a market for sugar. There's a market for their flour products. And there's definitely going to be a market for their rice products when they're ready to also do it. Perfect, perfect. Um, now, looking at Boa Foods, you, you've alluded to the fact that when they listed the gave us a five-year financial history, but that was private and we don't know how well we can trust those numbers, quote and unquote. You didn't hear it from me. And then <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they've only had about one to two years of um, history on the Nigerian Stock Exchange. Do we trust them wholeheartedly or do we still give them time to see if um, they sustain the trend or what would be your advice to the retail investor who is looking at just the relatively short financial history and trying to make a decision to commit funds into them or not? Mm, well, so for any investor looking into, first of all, um, I don't think anybody's investing just because, oh, let me follow the market. 
this was communist market right now. Everybody probably had their own uh, objective for investing. And I remember that when Barfoods listed this year, it listed at the 14 Naira, it listed at 14 Naira um, on the Nigerian Stock Exchange. And at some point, it went as high as 60 something Naira. Although now it has come out about 55. But, you know, if any people could have bought on that first day of the, you know, listing, I've definitely made a killing because that's, that's, that's some, some money. So, before investing in Barfoods, of course, we are looking at the fundamental performance, expected fundamental performance of the company, which, you know, from where we are looking at it, it actually still looks very bright. We know that while, of course, they still, they, they have, they're going to always have issues with FX importation, blah, blah, blah. That is, that is Nigeria. All Nigerians, in, all companies in Nigeria are facing all those things. So it's not really particular to them. If it was something company specific, it would have been an issue. But, you know, having something that is um, industry-wide probably won't, I mean, at, at some point, they will even come up with, we expect them to come, come up with strategies that will help them to even limit the impact of this, which one of them we already mentioned is the backward integration strategies, which they are doing, right? So we're looking at the prospect of the company, really. The, the prospect is actually very bright. Like, they have actually been, I know that we are saying, oh, okay, the, the results was private and all, but they've been they've, they've been in the, in the industry. They've, I, I want to assume that upon listing, um, when, when going to meet NSC or SEC or whoever is approving that listing, they have been some verification processes, you know, to just, you know, look into their books and all that. And I also want to assume that the audit companies that are signing their names to the financials that they released would, of course, want to sign their names behind something that is legit. So, I mean, we can, to some level of, of course, we can never be 100% sure, but maybe, maybe that can give us some level of assurance, you know, on their company. So, we do, I don't think we lack evidence for their for their performance per se, but from where we are standing and looking forward, even if it was just these two that we had, you know, it looks like a case of, well, let's look at whatever is going on in the industry. Do you have it? Do you have a chance? And then the truth is we cannot take a company away from its family. I mean, there's bar cement, there's bar, there, there are other bar products, really. So if we're looking, if you're we're not going to judge them based on oh, bar cement has done well, bar foods to do well, but it's just like maybe permission to mention a Dangote now. If Dangote comes up in another business today, people are going to rush it because, oh, it's under the Dangote name. So if we're using that same eye to look at Boa Foods too, there's also a possibility that maybe let's give them some prospects, you know, they can do well. So for, for that, investors might, might just want to look at, you know, what is my own investment, um, you know, horizon really? Am I looking to stay? People have made money on Boafos this year. So as much as I understand the, the, the need to hesitate and make your decision very carefully, there's also the the um the possibility of losing the market, you know, losing out. And then even the period where the equities market is not really doing well because of, of all the other things that were seeing played out, equities market is not really doing well now. So there are some investors that are just watching the market, waiting for when they when they feel like the loss in the equities market has bottomed out and then they enter to buy. So if you're an investor that is looking forward to buying Foods and then you've done your own analysis of the company and you're looking at the price, okay, I think this is a good time to enter. As long as it goes to your investment horizon, I think, I personally think this is a good um, company that has good prospects for, for strong fundamentals in the future. Perfect. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much. Uh, now, now, from where we stand, looking into the future, um, from your privileged position of, you know, insights in that industry and all, can you think of any disruptions or any possibilities of a disruption in the flour milling industry as a whole over the next decade or hmm. decade or two? 
Of course, there will be disruptions over the decade. I mean, a decade is 10 years. If nothing happens in 10 years, wow, that's going to be shocking. Sure. I mean, we've seen a lot of things that we're not expecting. We're not expecting COVID. We're not expecting Russia. We're expecting Russia. We're going to fight. We're not expecting all these, expecting all these supply chain disruptions that, we're, that, we, that we've been witnessing in recent times. So to say that, oh, don't worry, there's no there's no disruption, That that's going to be, I mean, that, that's not possible. In my own way, I'm thinking, I don't think it's possible, right? But of course, I I think that a lot of companies are beginning to wake up to the fact that they need to do something um, to mitigate the number amount of sh- their the exposure to shocks. Really, the last two years has shown companies that anything can happen to you. Um, I was having a conversation about the possibility of deglobalization. You know, a, a situation where where the the amount of foreign trade begins to reduce significantly. And while it's not possible for any country to grow everything, it's not possible for any company, I mean, especially if you're exposed to that space, to all of a sudden be 100%, oh, I will not import from anybody. I don't think that's possible. But to an extent, we're seeing companies begin to wake up. I mean, flour mills, speaking on flour mills now, they, they've been really strong on their background integration strategies also, trying to partner with Lake Chad Institute. Lake Chad Institute has, you know, some reputation for being able to create that um, atmosphere to grow it, and then, you know, the type of which we need. And, and we've seen, you know, instances of flour mills partnering with Lake Chad Institute, partnering, partnering with the Anchor Burrows Program, the Brown Revolution, you know, so many things to try to increase their own wheat production in-house. And like I mentioned, we started to see the production of brown sugar and brown sugar is locally produced. It's not imported, you know, by flour mills. So I think the flour mills ability to even push this brown, brown sugar, they're able to push it and um, um, increase the public acceptance of this product. Why not? We see a situation where uh, exposure to import, importation of sugar reduces. So it's not possible for the shop, there not to be disruptions. But I think that a lot of companies are waking up. They cannot mitigate against everything. Some things that they will definitely be exposed to some risk by just being in that business alone. They have risk that they're going to be exposed to. But then I think that companies are waking up to the fact that we need to do something to reduce our own exposure to whatever is going on in the global economy and our own exposure to Nigeria's effects also, you know. So because we have a very unstable FX policy in Nigeria, unfortunately, not just the FX, generally government regulations. I mean, we just saw something play out um, last week where the CBN governor just you know announced that the cash reserve ratio has been increased and banks have two days to comply. That is a very significant disruption for banks. But, you know, they did not see that coming. They, they, I don't think any bank sat down and said, oh, CBN is going to do this in, in two days. Well, let me start getting ready. That was a very big disruption for them. So I think that companies cannot 100% protect themselves from disruptions, but, you know, they will do as much as they can from where they are standing. And that's where the backward, lot of backward integrations and, you know, trying to drive, you know, their own strategies in house. I think that's where that's where it's, what's um is really obsc- um you know popular right now. Perfect. We've taken quite a lot of your time already, so I'll just um. It's been interesting. <laughs> to be honest, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So one final question: um, any final thoughts for the retail investor listening who is interested in investing in some of the flour millers? What are you? What would be your if you were to summarize everything into two, three sentences, what would you say to them? I would say do your research. As much as everything is gold, it's not gold. So um, timing is everything in the market. So while, like I mentioned, Flamus has done 40-something naira this year, but now it's down again. So whoever bought at that time, 
you know, so basically do your research, you know, one partner with um, a, an, an advisor that can give you advice, someone that can sit down with you. And then, of course, you have research houses that always give recommendations on, OK, this is what to do. So it cannot be do your research to fit into your own investment horizon, your own investment objectives. Not every company will work for you. Um, some dividend companies will work for you. And some of some some people is capital appreciation that will work for them. So I, I think the blank thing is do your research and fit into your own long-term objectives for investing in the market. It's been a pleasure having this chat with you, Pris. And um, I, I always say so to much. all my guests that I look forward to having them back on the podcast at some time in the future. But I can beat my chest and say, so and, nice. say, and say this to you. I really, really look forward to having you back on the podcast at some time. I'm smiling so much. My cheeks are open. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank um, you.